What's going on, Skytown? Welcome to another edition of the Skyhook Podcast. My name is James K. With me on the mic, as always, is your co-host, Chris Pennant. Chris, we haven't talked in about, what, five, six days since our last pod together. An eternity. Yeah, it feels that way, but a lot has happened, man, so I'm looking forward to get into it, but how are you doing today? Good. Uh, I want to thank Annie for stepping in, as always. Um, always great to have that insider's perspective, two insider's perspectives on the show. I uh, apologize to everybody who sent us, reached out to us on Twitter. I was really hoping to be a part of that show, but just the accumulated uh, weight of a lot of days run the run really caught up with me. And I will be upfront that uh, this past weekend was a monster in terms of being out and about and on the run. So thanks again to Annie. Thanks again to all of our Skyhook fans. And hey, we've got something in the works cooked up for this coming All-Star weekend. So be on the lookout. Yes, absolutely. We're still figuring out the logistics of it, but we, I think we're inching towards having a potential live recording. So yeah, be on the lookout for this. Yeah, exactly, Chris. Uh, you just did the motion of what shattering teeth right there and nervousness. Yeah, but it's hey, just like, oh, so yeah. <laughs> hey, we'll see what happens with that. But just, uh, yeah, make sure to follow the Skyhook on Twitter. And yeah, we'll be making announcements soon with that. But we got to talk about the all-star game, which is, I can't believe is like less than two weeks away, Chris. This is, it's crazy. We're already here. We're already here. And, you know, the sky had four selections along with James Wade and his coaching staff going, who were going to coach the all-star game, which is so great given that it's in Chicago. So the four players that are going to represent the sky are Kalia Copper, Courtney Vandersloot, Candace Parker, and Emma Miesemann. And I actually thought that, you know, before we get into our thoughts with it, um, I wanted to also just list the other all-stars. The other all-stars include Sylvia Fowles, Sue Bird, Asia Wilson, Brianna Stewart, John Quell Jones, Neka Gumake, Sabrina Inescu, Kelsey Plum, Jackie Young, Ariel Atkins, Skylar Diggins-Smith, Derricka Hamby, Natasha Howard, Ryan Howard, Brianna Jones, Jewel Lloyd, Arike Gumbawale and Alyssa Thomas. A lot of names, Chris. It was a really competitive field this year, especially it felt like. And a lot of thoughts being bounced off the wall on social media, private conversations that I've had. It was just a lot of chaos regarding like who people thought should be on the all-star team. Before we dig like too deep into our thoughts, man, like I'm just curious, like, do you feel that the media, the fans in Coaches got this right overall, or do you feel like compared to past years that they definitely didn't get it right? I'm just curious where you're at with that. I, I think with a true democratic process, there's never going to be a, a 100% uh, accuracy rate. You're never going to give them an A plus because it's a popularity contest in some ways, uh, in a lot of ways, similar to um, how your student council was elected in grade school. There's a lot of Toronto Blue Jays leading in MLB and the all-star voting, and that's not really deserved, but Blue Jays fans are voting. And so in the same way, you're going to have people who are voted to the all-star game uh, in WNBA because that group of fans is voting. So I think they actually got this one largely correct this year. And obviously there's a few people who having all-star campaigns who didn't make it. But considering how it shook out, I think they did pretty well. So one thing that I think 
gets talked about a lot is what does like the all-star game actually represent? And I think it is really split up into this binary of should it represent the best players of a certain league or should it be catered to the fans who the fans want to see out there? Again, that does kind of go into the politics of it all that you talked about in terms of who's the most popular. And I get, I'm so torn with this because like on the last podcast I did with Annie, I talked about how we should take this seriously because there's money tied to it with certain players and the incentives that they get for making an all-star team, for making an all-WNBA team. And that's why we should take it more seriously. But at the same time, I think about how the all-star game came about in the NBA, where it was like, this is for the fans to show off the talent that they want to see. And I don't really know where I land with it right now in the WNBA. I do think we kind of saw a mixture of both of those things in this all-star class. And we can get into it in a sec, but that's the part that I found to be the trickiest part because I do think there's might be a slight shifting of things with how the WNBA fans are voting versus how they haven't passed a little bit in terms of popularity versus who they actually think should be an all-star. Um, which one do you lean towards? If you it do is all? tough. It, it is tough because I think when we're talking about somebody having an all-star type season, we're really talking about an all-league type season if they're in the top of statistical categories, if they're having a great effect upon the game. When we've been talking about Rebecca Gardner, she might not be having an all-star type season, but she should be named to the all-rookie team because of the way she's impacted the Chicago sky and the games that she's playing in. So I think that it would be good to not tie monetary incentives to the all-star game because it is in effect not a showcase of the league's best players but the league's most watched, watchable players, or it should be. There, there are players who might not get that showcase and they might want it, but you know we're not going to... I think if you have a, a top tier defensive player who averages six points per game, that's not necessarily what the All-Star game is about because defense doesn't, it's not always as flashy unless you're talking about big time blocks which hurts me because I love defense and I love quality defensive players. But I don't necessarily think that that's what's going to play on TV, which is in a sense, which is essentially what the all-star game is. It's a showcase operative part of that word being show. Completely agree with that. And it was kind of interesting to see some, you know what, let's just go into it right now. Were there any players that you saw on the all-star game roster that you were pleasantly surprised to see on there or was there anyone that you were surprised that you were like oh I had like no idea that this person was going to make it well Brittany Griner first and foremost even though it's a symbolic uh, selection I think is important because it keeps her even more well it puts her even more in the forefront of the minds of uh, fans of the WNBA anybody who might tune into the all-star game who might uh, not have watched the WNBA game or watched few games who might not know what the symbols on the quarter for, you know, if you somehow missed the Brittany Griner coverage, then this is going to put that in the forefront of your mind. Why is this person being selected as an all-star as a starter in the all-star game when they're not even able to play? Well, this is why. So I think that was, that was good. I'm sure that there are people who are saying that I'm sure there's somebody who in the back of their minds, even though they might not say it publicly. And if they're not saying shame on you, if you think it be willing to say it, that she's taking up a starting spot. But it's still incredibly important for Brittany Griner to be listed as an all-star. 
in that respect, I think it goes to what this person means to the game. And Brittany Griner means a lot to this game. She was one of the first people that I remember seeing before I started covering the league who was getting this coverage and made me interested, more interested in women's basketball when I was coming to the latter stages of my college career. And she's pretty much meant that to women's basketball in the United States going forward. So really, I think in terms of, of who was I looking at? Like, oh, that was probably the, the, the most striking selection. Ariel Atkins kind of gets in there, but we've known yeah. that Ariel Atkins is an all-league caliber player for the last couple of seasons. So it wasn't really a surprise, even if Washington is kind of in the mid-tier of the standings. Everybody else I looked at, yeah, I was like, I've seen them play. I, I think they deserve to be there. There might be some other players that we're going to get into who could have had those spots, but really nobody on the list I can see who would, I would not call an all-star, all-league player at this point in time. I agree with you. Ariel Atkins was the person that I chose for this just because she has been weirdly under the radar, even though she has been one of the premier players in the WNBA. She's an Olympian for a reason. That group of coaches recognizes what she has in her game that makes her such an exceptional player. Statistically, I mean, there's just no argument against not having her on a roster. I mean, her plus, I mean, her on and off splits in terms of net rating are wild. So like when she's on the court this year for the Mystics, they have a 10.5 net rating with her off the court. They have a minus 11 net rating. I mean, look, she impacts the game so much. And even when they were struggling last year, she was someone that had the best in terms of those splits and net rating. She had the best stats when it came to that over Tina Charles, who again, dominated the narratives last year with the Mystics. So I was just a little bit worried about her not, I mean, not worried, but like, I was like, man, I wouldn't be surprised if they somehow left Ariel Atkins off the <laughs> all-star, off the all-star list here in, or left her off the all-star roster, just because I thought it would have been really easy to just put Diana Taurasi in there and maybe leave off someone that isn't as heralded as Ariel Atkins and DT shouldn't have been an all-star this year. So I, like, to me, that was an easy choice, but I, I'm proud of the fans for recognizing Ariel Atkins and getting her to the all-star game. Um, and actually, I guess it should be the coaches in this case um, who picked the reserves here and for getting that one right, because you never know when it comes to the popularity contest of this. So, Well, I, I think we would, we would expect that from the coachings, from the coaches in the league. I know everybody's going to advocate for their players typically, but I mean, look, Let's, let's be real. Vanessa Nygaard has a lot more to do with than advocating for any one specific player to be an all-star. I know there's a lot that has to go into coaching, especially if you're also the general manager. But there's a lot more to deal with in Phoenix than trying to stump for your, for your, uh, for your long-term point card to be an all-star in this particular season. So I, I'll, give her, I'll give her some room on that, <laughs> even though you're, you're definitely right. There's no, there's no room for Diana Taurasi on this roster. Uh, but I want to I say, just because you pointed out that plus-minus split for Ariel Atkins, it's ridiculous. It really is. 11.6-plus uh, when she's on the court, and then 
from according to basketball reference, it's minus 15 when she's not on the court. So I'll that's a plus WNBA. 26 com. points. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's and then like for a player whose usage rating is near 25%, just under that, to have only had to be averaging less than three turnovers a game, actually less than two turnovers a game, that's pretty nuts. Yeah, so I'm looking at it right now, and on WNBA.com, I've got 10.5 on the court and minus 11 off the court. But you're right. I mean, it's a difference of 21.5. Is that what you said? Um, for, according to this, it's it's 26.6. Now, I'm, well, I know that there's differences in calculations because people have been talking about the WNBA.com stats to me for a while, and basketball reference is just getting into this over the last couple of seasons. But I... I I will say I tend to trust their methodology. More. Yes, absolutely. The W's website is kind of a mess at times, but whatever, I mean, whenever you look at that stat, I mean, whatever it is, whether it's a five point difference there, it's just, it's insane. And it's mind boggling. Yeah. And it's actually kind of one of the reasons why I thought Elena Deladon could have potentially been an all-star just given how the difference between how the mystics look with her on the court versus off the court is just, staggering as well and not even just in terms of net rating which the stats point to that as well it's not obviously not as dramatic as Ariel Atkins because Ariel Atkins has played the most minutes on the Mystics um and you know they rely heavily on her it feels like more and more each year I thought Elena even though she's missed a lot of games like could have also there could have been a case for her to be on the roster like maybe over someone like Natasha Howard or Derricka Hamby but Derricka Hamby so but I mean do you want to get into snubs right now because I think there's that's a really interesting conversation just shifting over from that I mean you thought that they got this right for the most part what parts of it do you feel like they didn't get right uh, at the end of the season I want to come back to your point about Deladon because that's kind of um, alluding to the most valuable player mm-hmm. versus most, you know, to your team rather than to the league question that always comes up when that's voted on. But a lot of people pointed out Kelsey Mitchell um, and Alicia Gray. And it's really difficult because Alicia Gray is having a fantastic season. Also, the Dallas Wings are going to make the playoffs if I haven't said it to you before. <laughs> playoffs. So I would, I, I would certainly, um, consider Alicia Gray here. And Kelsey Mitchell is playing probably the best basketball of her career for what is right now a tail end, but fun to watch team. So looking over the roster, the question then becomes, who do you knock out of that slot? Um, Person who I will not name that is a fan of of the Aces probably I think said that Kalia Copper shouldn't have made it among other names. And I was talking to uh, Lindsay, Lindsay H. and Helly in the first about this yesterday. And I really wouldn't bump Ka when she's having a season that's pretty identical to last year when she was also an all-star. So there's not a way to justify that. And Alicia Gray is having a season that's almost similar, except she has more assists. So then the question becomes like, who, who else is right on the cusp? And I, you mentioned Natasha Howard. I think there's an argument there. Um, Skylar Diggins-Smith, it becomes like how are the, the Mercury doing as opposed to how is Skylar doing because she's having one of the best seasons of her career. And then maybe Courtney Vandersloot because what her calling card has always been, her assists are down. But we know that's a function of the team 
not being dependent on her as the primary uh, facilitator. So it's, it's hard to see where you pull anybody out of the team uh, to put either of those players in. Note that I did not mention um, our other friend from Dallas in that last section because I think that the vitriol for her is unjustified. Unjustified. That's interesting. Yeah, people people hate uh, people hate Arike because she's a volume scorer. I think that's it, point blank, period. And there's really no point in hating on that. To me, it's more about the defense with Arike than it is just about the offense. Like, I think about a – I brought this up on the last pod too, but, like, watching that Atlanta Dream game and just how Vicky Johnson had to pull Arike in order for the, the wings to get back in that, and then she comes back in and shoots them out of the game, like – Man, that's why I, I don't under like I don't think that it's crazy to think that Alicia Gray could have made it over Arike potentially. She is over like she has more win shares than Arike. You can't just look at the statistic, the stats, obviously. And I do think that if I was gonna put someone over Arike, it would have been Kelsey Mitchell, honestly. They have pretty much the exact same stats outside of Kelsey Mitchell having like five. Like it was a difference of five percentage points in terms of their usage rate. And Kelsey Mitchell is just getting attacked every time she's out there on the floor because she's playing with a younger group that hasn't played that much together. And it's been a real adjustment for her. She that you can't look at deep into the advanced stats with her necessarily just because of how there it's a more of a reflection of the rest of the team rather than just her individual play. But I do think Kelsey Mitchell cares about thing like she really cares about how she does on the defensive end she's someone that is what in clutch game she's one of the best clutch scorers in the WNBA she's bailed she's probably one of the reasons why Indiana has as many wins as they do just because of her impact and if they just surrounded her with more talent I think we would actually be talking about her more than we do right now it's it's just that she gets I don't know if disrespect's the right word but you know James Wade when I asked about Kelsey Mitchell before the last Indiana Fever game he said she's going to continue to get slept on because she's not one of the one of the five names that keeps getting repeated over and over in this league and I kind of agree with that when you're in a small market like Indiana and you know the circumstances I think have to play into this where she lost her head coach a few games into the season. They put in, like they ran different, a different type of offense. She's playing with again, four new rookies here that work well with her. I mean, I think destiny Henderson really spells her minutes when she needs them, but at the same time, like that's a young team that's still trying to piece things together. And there's rookies on this roster that are adjusting to the physicality and speed of the WNBA. And Kelsey Mitchell has been able to still put off the same numbers as Arike when Arike's just in a better circumstance. So that's the reason. That's why I don't think it's like unjustified to say that Arike shouldn't have made it over Kelsey Mitchell. Like I think there is, you can point to certain things and say like, yeah, there is a case to be made. And I'm only pointing to Arike just because what if I'm going to name someone who I think should have been an all-star, I want to name the person who I think shouldn't have been an all-star over them. So um, that's fine. Yeah, that's totally fine. I think there's a lot of emphasis being put on the rookie situation in, in Indiana and it's well-deserved because those rookies are exciting. You saw Emily Angstler twice this season, what she does on the boards and how she affects the game. 
We saw Destiny Henderson twice this season and how she affects the game. But Victoria Vivians is in the fourth season of her career, finally back healthy, and she's averaging just under 12 points a game. And um, Daniel Robinson is on this team too. Those two are not rookies. And so it's really just a function of Indiana, what I talked about before the season, I think not having that comprehensive roster plus the plus some of the experience they're still starting and playing good heavy minutes for I think three rookie players including Melissa Smith or and Queen Agbo too so four so there's more to that I still I'm not saying that she shouldn't be an all-star but we're talking we if we're going into usage rates there's play there's players who get touches in that offense as well as Kelsey um and also, I think it just goes back to that same point of, are, you, are we talking about players who are all league or all watchable? And it's not that Kelsey, it's not that Kelsey Mitchell's not all watchable. I think Arike is just all watchable too. People don't like the way that she affects the game of basketball in terms of wins and losses. But would you watch, if basically, if you played the game at, trying to think of a good Chicago basketball court with a lot of eyes on it. <laughs> If you played the game at 63rd Street Beach, put up stands and said, we're going to feature these 10 players and here's who's going to start. If Arike is on that list, people will come. And that's why I think you don't, that's why I think she should be on that list. Because again, we're talking about a showcase here. And that's the point I wanted to bring up earlier in the podcast. It's like, again, there's a balance between who we think should be on an all-star team and who we want the fans to be able to see and showcase the talents of such players. And dude, Arike is one of the funnest players to watch one-on-one, man. She, her trip, like her ball handling is insane. The contested shots that she hits. I mean, it's unbelievable when she gets going, it's she's all in, like, she's so entertaining. And if we're putting it in the, this minds or put it, in the situation where if you're let's throw away the stats for a second we're just going to observe a pickup game between like, the running fives i mean you watch a and you're like oh yeah that's probably one of the best players on the court like you throw away all that like the, the stats and everything you just see like the shot creation the way that you just have to play her a little bit differently compared to other players yeah i under i understand that for sure like she's she can be a premier player and she's what I think like third in scoring by the time all of the votes were in. Like I get it from that sense. I just think it's a closer conversation. Like Kelsey Mitchell and Enrique, those two are closer to each other than I think people realize. And, and again, the stats back it up, the eye test backs it up. And I get why there are people who are frustrated when they watch Enrique just as someone who's been like, watched a decent amount of wings games this year. Like I, the frustration has built up a little bit in Dallas from some people that I've spoken with, not in the league, just people that I know who like are wings fans. People who are, people who are in that organization or, or are fans of the team. Yeah, no, I'm not, not from anyone in the organization. I'm a little too much distance for me right now to be able to make some connections there, but yeah, man, like I do think that they're like, what was she in the fan vote for this? I'm curious. Like Enrique was, she was 11th in the fan vote. Like, man, that, that seems a little harsh, but Kelsey Mitchell was 13th in the fan vote and then sixth in both the media rank and player rank. Like, that's what I just say. Like, man, 
there's some people that just don't realize what Kelsey's doing right now because she plays in Indiana and no one wants to turn on Indiana who's a casual fan on league pass when you can watch some of these other teams. And it's just too bad because she's just someone that can score at will. And I would, for both the spectacle part of this and the, who do I think is an all-star? I think Kelsey Mitchell should have been on that list and it's tough though. It is tough. Are there anybody else that you thought was snubbed at all that you want to talk about? Or is there any, how about this? Is there anyone on the sky that you thought should have been on this team that weren't named, even though the sky, I believe tied with the aces for the most selections in the all-star game this year. Um, I mean, Z is having a really good year. I think that's, that's really it um, in terms of players who I would, who I would elevate to that level. Z's having a really, really good season, but I think numbers wise, it's not going to catch anybody's eyes except for the 40%, nearly 41% shooting from three. I would put Z in there, but again, like you said, there's not anybody that I would necessarily take out to have Z on the roster. So I think that's the that's the only other person from the sky that I would that I would give consideration to. And, you know, if, if Z, if it's one of those things where not being on the roster, you know, gets in like a, gets in the snub because a lot of times people take that and it puts a chip on their shoulder that lasts for the season and beyond, then hell yeah, that's great that Z got left off the roster. She's going to push her averages up in the second half of the year. But otherwise, there's not really anybody that I can think of. I'm curious what Z's career is going to look like moving forward after this year where maybe, I mean, we don't know if Candace Parker is going to re- return to this team or retire, I should say, because she said going into the season, her mentality is that she's going to call it quits at the end of the year, but she's also left the door open too, like after saying that on NBA TV and, but let's just say that Candace retires. I could see Azure Stevens becoming a, multi-time all-star in this league just looking at some of the names on this list that might be on the way out to um you know Neka Gumake I mean she has been amazing this year like she's been a huge bright spot for the Sparks given all the tumult that they've dealt with have dealt with and you know trying to figure out how to work Kennedy Carter in losing your head coach just what like 10 games into the season I mean NECA has really been a really strong force for them and she deserved to be on here, but you never know. Like, again, like Sylvia Fowles is no longer going to be in the league after next year um, or after this year. And, you know, Brianna Jones, she's coming off the bench for the sun. It might be harder for her to do that again if she's not starting. And Azrae Stevens is given a bigger role given how efficient she's been and how great she's been on the defensive end as well. So I think I could really see Z turning herself into a perennial all-star. And I think having learned with Candice where th- those two shoot around before games with each other and she has learned so much from Candice. She's really credited Candice a lot. I could, I mean, I could see Azrae Stevens turning herself into a multi-time all-star down the road. So I think that's something to look after now that she's proven that she can stay healthy and she's probably still trying to prove that to herself still. But at the same time, I think the results have been encouraging in the last what, since 2020 when she arrived? Yeah, I mean, I was watching uh, somebody, I, I put up a videos for each, pretty much every Sky player uh, for the playoffs and all of the 
baskets that they scored. And I just got caught up watching that yesterday. And it's so apparent how, as well as anybody in this league, Z runs to the rim. It's, it's so, so, so apparent. And I, we talked about that last year, about the sky's fast break. And we mostly talked about Kalia Copper, you know, Courtney Vandersloot, uh, Quiggs on the wing. But Z's ability to run to the rim just and get deep post position yeah. allowed so many basket, like so many close in easy field goal attempts for the sky in the playoffs that made it so much easier for other players to find mismatches when they were on the fast break or when they were pushing the pace. They're actually in the middle of the league in pace this season. And you see Z's developed another facet of her game, which we talked about in the preseason, the corner three-point shot, and she can still hit the three-point shot from the top of the key of the win. So you're right on. When in a league that's going to have new bigs and her having already five years of experience now, she could definitely become an all WNBA player um, if she slots into a starting spot. I think we, we saw her start in the beginning of the season and how she affected things. We've seen her come off the bench, and there's no reason that that would really change depending on who she's going up against because, like you said, Sylvia Fowles will be out of the league. Uh, Candace Parker will be out of the league. And the players who are coming in, I think, aren't ready yet to be super, super, super duper stars. So Z can put herself to the top echelon of WNBA players for the next three to four years, if not four, if not more. It wouldn't surprise me. The talent's all there. James Wade called her a unicorn before for a reason. And the positioning in the post, man, I think you're totally right. I mean, she uses her length so well. Like her arms are so long when you just see her like backing in when she calls for the ball. Like there's no way to poke her, like poke that ball out when if you're, you know, she's backing up against you. So yeah, I, I really like that observation, Chris. Um one person I want to point out too is someone who I think could become an all-star on this team. Julie Aleman, what she's done so far this season and what her role could look like in the future for this team or on a different team. I mean, man, she has matured so much as a passer since 2020, like the, and I don't know if it's just because she's on a better team. I think we have to give the team credit for just having a, like a roster that makes sense for Julie Aleman. And they obviously wasn't constructed just for Julie Aleman, but she does have some salute in her DNA, which no one is going to be able to completely have that, but she does have that in her and her ability to, I mean, her, like her instincts in the pick and roll have just been incredible this year. I don't have like the stats in front of me, but anytime I watch her live, I'm like, God, she just knows how to find open teammates and manipulate a defense that when you have th this type of offense that really they're generating a lot of movement and keeping the ball swinging side to side, like Julie Aleman knows when to get it back to the other side and keep things, just keep the offense moving, honestly. So if her scoring comes along and I know she hasn't really had that many opportunities to like score on this team, just because again, when she's out there, she's there to, find open looks for her teammates. Man, if Julie Aleman starts scoring the way we saw in 2020, I mean, watch out. I do think that she could become an all-star. I wonder how it's going to look. Uh, just I'll leave it at that because having watched her play, I wonder how it's going to look. You seem skeptical, man. No, no, it's just I, I wonder how it's going to look. 
I wonder how the development's going to go because I think you, I think with her play, she could trend towards a scoring side or a facilitating side, but not necessarily a amalgamation of both. So I, I wonder how it's going to look. Yeah, fair enough. Um, Chris, is there anything that you're looking forward to specifically in the All-Star game just to wrap up the on-court stuff with this? I mean, I love I love the Saturday night stuff. So we're going to watch the three points. We're going to watch the three point contest and skills challenge. And that's I think everybody's really their favorite part of All-Star Weekend because the game is is kind of a formality. You you watch for the third and the fourth quarter. Um, I, I haven't seen, but I think that there would be some um, some logic in generating more excitement into using the, um, oh, what's the scoring? I, the scoring method that they use in the, the basketball tournament, uh, the Elam, the Elam ending. So basically you set a target score at the outset of the last three minutes, I think, which the NBA did a couple of seasons back. And I think that that would be really cool because it always allows for a game winning shot. And if a team, a team could be ahead by eight points and really close to that target score, but then you see what we talked about earlier, maybe coaches put in their best defensive players and really try to make a game out of it at the tail end, rather than we're going to see how much we can score and, and, you know, just kind of go up and down the court. So I think you don't take away from the traditional, the traditionality of the all-star game, which is to get everybody in, get them a highlight play. Uh, get the highlight plays for television and the, and the people that are in the stands and then still have a contest as the game gets down to it. Love that. Honestly, I have really enjoyed that aspect of the NBA all-star game over the last year or two. I forget exactly when they implemented it, but I definitely like found myself tuning in a little bit more at the end, rather than just seeing a game that's like 158 to 150, you know, that just gets, kind of boring after a while um in terms of the skills challenge i think that's going to be really fun this year i would love to see rebecca garner potentially be a part of it or even natisha heideman i think with her lightning speed and Ari mcdonald too i think that would be a really fun skills challenge and y'all i've been working on it i've been trying to figure out or like trying to get ali quickly to tell me when like if she's going to participate in the three-point contest and she just laughs me off each time um, in the most cordial way because that's who <laughs> Allie Quigley is. So I'm really, I'm going to ask her again at a certain point to see if she'll participate. Um, maybe tomorrow morning, we'll see. But Chris, do we have to wrap things up here or do you want to do the cost segment? Uh, no, we got to do the cost segment. Like, I want to I tell everybody here and I hope this gets on video. No matter if I'm doing this on my lunch break or not, we do the cost segment. <laughs> if we don't do the cost segment, we have something substituting in place of it, where it's just James and I arguing about food, which I think should be our other segment since it's very <laughs> tense. But we're going to do the cost segment no matter what. I will be late to do the cost segment. Well, so, so let's do it. <laughs> we're doing it, man. I love that passion. You should tell your boss that. Um, <laughs> Cod tweeted today that after five years of being in Chicago, she just went to the Bean for the first time 
yesterday. Kyle Wayne Taylor, <laughs> yesterday after being in Chicago for five years. Okay, a couple of things. She gets the pass for COVID. Understand. It's real. Like even that would be. Um, I understand not seeing the bean or like wanting to go outside in that first 10 to 12 months of COVID completely understand outside of that. Come on, man. You got, you just got to get your, you got to get your bean selfie. Even if it's on that grainy <laughs> iPhone that has the worst quality, you got to get that bean selfie and then you can disregard the bean all you want to not go see the bean. One of the staples of Chicago, I, I would say, I think was, hilarious and it's so it's so ka so i gotta hear what your thoughts are on this do you just kind of get a pass after again five years chris we're talking about five years of not after being in chicago and not seeing the bean so it's different going to the bean when you're working in the summer <laughs> when you're working like second and, and you know kind of not third shift when you're when you're working second shift which is what nba uh professional basketball players typically do. Summertime is the time to go to Millennium Park and go see the Bean. And I support Kai in this. For a person who was very um, excited and mystified when the whole sculpture was produced and, and, and sconced where it is, and from a person who worked in Millennium Park for three summers, who like saw the people taking pictures and still took a picture of himself when he was off work. There were a lot of times I went to Millennium Park on my off time, for sure. Uh, but I'm okay with it because it's a touristy thing to do. And it means that Ka is one of us like we all want. She's a Chicagoan, even if she's not a Chicagoan to herself. She has dual citizenship as a Philadelphian <laughs> and a Chicagoan because she did not do the touristy things first. I totally get it. And normally I'm with you on that. The thing that I find so funny about this is that if you're just walking down Michigan Avenue and you're bumping into a lot of things, you know, there's just a lot going down, going on downtown. It just takes a minute to see the bean. We're not talking about like committing to the art Institute for a day. We're talking about just walking up, seeing the bean and leaving, you know, it's just on the way to like, you know, I, what, I forget. What is it? The, the something grill underneath it. I'm trying. I'm, oh, park grill. Yeah, yeah, park grill. If you want to get yourself a Shirley Temple, like I did when I was younger, um, you know, or go ice skating. You can know. You, you doesn't even have to be in the summer. It, you can see the bean whenever you want. The parade was right by the bean, Chris. It was right by the bean. I thought that was a funny thing that Danny pointed out as well on uh, on the Twitter. <laughs> Just being, it's just so, it's just right there. It takes no time. Look, I'm not actually upset about this. I just think Ka is hilarious. And <laughs> one of my favorite things in training camp this year was when an intern was like picking up some towels or something like that. And Ka walked over and introduced herself. She's like, hi, I'm Ka. Like she didn't say like, hi, I'm Kalia or like, um, she just is like, hi, I'm Ka. I love that. We're talking about like someone you don't know. And she's like, yeah, you just call me Ka. Like, it's just call me by my nickname. Like, I love that, man. That's called uh, it's a deep organizational stability right there. <laughs> just like, uh, you know, not having like that, I don't know, just not acting like a superstar that's like arrogant or something. It's like, she's so down to earth. And for her, I'm still think it's nuts 
still think it's nuts that uh, she didn't see the bean at any point since 2017 onward, but I think she's hilarious. So we had to talk about it. <laughs> I think there's, um, there's something to be said for how easy it is to get to the, to that place. If you're not, driving rather than if you're driving and you know the same goes for the art institute sure you, you do have to commit to the art institute for a day um that's because there's so much good shit in the art institute and this yeah. is from a person who hates modern art um <laughs> as opposed to dealing with the throngs of people who are trying to get their mirror selfies <laughs> i think there's a difference oh, also yeah. take public transit everybody don't drive <laughs> really take public transit I know Stephen Trinkwald will love that sentiment. So I am with that as well. It's just too easy to move around the city. You know, I, I only drive when I go to Deerfield now and maybe to Wintrust as well when I have a game. So, um, so yeah, I guess that's our tip for anyone who's listening to this podcast and is going to be at the All-Star Game when you're not from Chicago. The CTA is just so easy to get around in. You can go from one end of the city to the other with these. So it might take you some time, but uh definitely utilize the cta chris we did this three minutes before you had to jump back on to work so glad that we had a chance to do this man and is there anything that you want to say to finish off this episode look out for us man we're going to be putting up information very soon i can very much hang my hat on that that our our live podcast for next week next friday is developing so keep keep an eye and an ear out on all of our twitter accounts and if you have me on Facebook, check there too. If you have me on Instagram, <laughs> check there too. If you look out the window and I've got a Skyrider like I want to get, check there too. But we're going to be having our live podcast next week. Bet on it. Or manifesting it, as the kids would say. So, Chris, so glad we got a chance to do this. And thank you all for listening to another edition of the Skyhook podcast. If you want to reach out to us, maybe it's about this live event. Maybe it's just telling us that we got the whole all-star thing wrong, whatever, you, whatever it is, you can always email us at the skyhook mailbag at gmail.com. One more time. That is the skyhook mailbag at gmail.com. If you want to find us on social media, you can find that in the episode description along with our Venmo, if you want to support the show. So thanks for tuning in people. And until next time.